Please note, this episode of The Beef Edge was recorded before the outbreak of COVID-19. Hello and welcome to The Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's show, Nikki Byrne, researcher at Chagas Grange, gives us an update on the latest results from the Dairy Calf to Beef trial. But first, I asked Nikki to tell me about the background of the trial. Yeah, so the background to the study, I suppose the, the objective of the study is to compare the physical and financial performance of three different dairy beef genetic groups and, you know, evaluate those genetics within, you know, a really efficient grass-based production system uh, using the type of you know, product that has been produced from our, our national dairy herd and to see what is achievable from them. So I suppose to set up the study, we used the, the three main uh, breeds coming from the dairy herd and entering the beef herd from it. And they were the Holstein Frisian and they were sired by the top four EBI bulls in the country. And then we had two Angus groups. Uh, and the difference between the two Angus groups was that one of the groups was sired by a team of bulls that were at the, were at the higher into the scale for carcass weight and carcass conformation compared to the other group that were at the opposite end with low carcass weight and carcass conformation. But all of these bulls that we have, we, we purchased progeny from were still all easy calf and short gestation bulls that were being used commercially. You know, none of these bulls exceeded three and a half percent calving difficulty. And, you know, it was important to look at those animals that have been used you know, heavily on the dairy herd and just to see what is achievable from those. You mentioned there that the two Angus sires were from high and low index. Can you just clarify what was the high and low that you used for your parameters for the study? Yeah, so if we look at the, the team of, of sires that we put together for each of the groups uh, on the Angus uh, side of things, the Anguses were, there was a 12 kilo difference between those two groups of bulls. So we had um, a plus 10 kilo carcass weight figure for the 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 high index Angus sires and a minus two uh, kilo carcass PTA for the low index Angus sires. Um, so obviously, look, the dam will be taken into account in, in our analysis and, you know, we'll see what the actual difference between the animals themselves were. Um, so so the, the bull is just one, one part of the equation. You mentioned there that there's three progeny groups. How were each of the three progeny groups managed? Yeah, so the management across the three groups is identical, and that's very important to do that, that any differences that do arise in the study, that they are down to the animal genetics, not, you know, management differences. So we graze them, we, you know, I give them all the same grass allocations. Uh, we graze them to the same post-grazing sward height. Well, however, there might be differences, you know, in the because of differences in age at slaughter and the, the level of silage needed, you know, we may have differences in the overall level of forage uh, used or that needs to be produced within the system. But from the outset, they're all stocked at the exact same. Uh, they have the same land area available. We closed up the same proportion of each farmlet for the uh, for, for silage. So they're managed in within their own individual farms and all the inputs and outputs are measured, uh, you know, at a system, at a farm level uh, for this study. Briefly, how are the calves sourced for the study? 
Yeah, so the calves are all purchased from from dairy farms throughout the country. So the animals that we'll talk about it, that that contributed to the data that we're discussing today, they came from 33 different spring calf and dairy farms uh, throughout Ireland. They're from all Holstein Frisian dams, and you know we identified where these the the, the sires of these animals were used, you know, through the ICBF database, and uh, you know that's how we identified. Um, where to to purchase these calves from. So once these calves were arrived on the farm, how were they fed and what was the management of the calves? Yeah, so once they arrived on the farm, we fed um, electrolytes to the calves uh, on arrival, you know, to rehydrate the calves. You know, a lot of them had probably travelled, you know, a couple of hours uh, in transport. So it was important to rehydrate them and ensure they're, you know, strong and alert. Uh, and then within the first 24 hours of arrival on the farm, we vaccinated the calves for, for pneumonia and against IBR. And, you know, we would have followed up again with our booster vaccinations, you know, four to five weeks later uh, after the initial one. OK, so when purchasing the calves on the farm, um, Donald Fahey, the research technician, visited each of the farms and, you know, assessed the, the health status of the calves. You know, we didn't select any of the calves based on their quality. You know, they just had to meet a certain criteria in terms of the sire that they're from, the dam that they're from, and, the, you know, the date of birth of that calf as well but was important. Um, and then we eliminated calves, you know, based on a, a number of factors, but the most important one was the health status of the calf. You know, if a calf wasn't bright and alert or if it showed any signs of discharge or anything like that, you know, we'd keep a thermometer with us, we'd check the temperature of the calf, We'd handle the navel, make sure there was no swelling or, or anything like that. And just to ensure that we were getting a, a healthy calf, that was our main criteria in uh, identifying calves uh, for the trial. What was the feeding regime of the calves from once they arrived onto the farm until weaning? Yeah, so the calves on this study were fed on two different milk feeding treatments. So half of you know each progeny group were fed on either four litres of milk uh, fed twice per day or eight liters of milk fed twice per day um, and we're looking at the effect of the the milk feeding treatment on the overall lifetime performance of those animals and um, so initially when the calves arrive in on the farm they come in at 21 days and we feed them on six liters of milk uh, and we then over you know a four to five day period uh, adjust them onto either the four liter or eight liter treatments and we do that you know to have a very very gradual uh, change and to you know really reduce the levels of stress uh, on the animal until we have them settled in on farm and um, so so that's how we, we we manage the milk feeding treatment and then we continue on the milk feeding treatment and we wean calves once they hit a target weaning weight of 85 kilos we begin the weaning process over a, a, a week uh, long period so typically the calves are achieving that at you know nine to ten weeks of age uh, they're coming off a a milk diet and going on to solid feed and you know gradually been turned out to grass as well uh, from that so over the calf rearing phase we offer the calves uh, ad lib concentrate and we feed fr- uh, fresh straw straw as the fiber source on a daily basis um, and you know we're measuring individual calf intakes as well you know over this 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 rearing period in contrast what differences did you see between the feeding regime of the four and eight liters of milk yeah, so over the rearing, fa- rearing phase, we saw that the eight litre calves, you know, as you'd expect, they, you know, they had a slightly higher average daily gain. 
But beyond the weaning phase, we saw no difference in animal performance. Right up until slaughter, there was no difference in the carcass weight of these animals, you know, at the very end. So uh, what the big differences were, though, were in the cost of production from these animals. You know, we, we found that the calves reared on the four litres of milk. You know, they achieved the same uh, animal performance, but we saved 33 euros per calf or over the rearing phase. And that saving, you know, occurred because, you know, we, we saved 20 kilos of milk replacer in exchange for feeding an extra 25 kilos of concentrate to those calves and achieved, you know, the same levels of animal performance on the back of that. So although we fed two different milk uh, volumes to the calves, they were all still offered, you know, a very, very high uh, plane of nutrition. And it just shows the importance of a solid feed, you know, uh, during the calf rearing phase um, and, you know, how important that is. That's a very important point. Clearly, herd health had also a major focus for you during the period. What management practices did you undertake to achieve a low mortality rate? Yeah, so I suppose the, the big one that, that, that helped us achieve, you know, a very low mortality rate was probably the, the screening of calves for health. So just been, you know, very conscious of what we were buying, you know, the, the checks that, that Donald carried out on them. Um, you know, that was a massive help on on um keeping our mortality rate very low um but just the you know monitoring the calves monitoring their behavior you know their feeding patterns just been you know alert and watching small little things and then early intervention if you do see you know any calves you know that that may be running a high temperature or or or, or anything like that just identify the signs, be very familiar with the, the, the symptoms of, you know, especially respiratory challenges and, you know, um, move early on these to prevent, you know, them developing into to a bigger issue. We've no issue with scour and, you know, we've very consistent uh, mixing of milk. We, you know, had everything was very standardized and also a very clean environment as well. Um, Brian Duffy, um, uh, was responsible for the feeding of the calves and done, you know, a top class job on them. And as a result of, you know, a combination of all those factors, we got away with a mortality rate of 1.4% um, across all the calves uh, purchased in uh, onto the study. So, you know, that is quite low. And, you know, we didn't lose any calves, you know, over the first grazing season either and maintained a very, very low uh, mortality rate. Attention to detail has been very important. Once the calves reached 12 weeks of age and were turned out to grass, how were they managed for their first season at grass? Yeah, so I suppose when we turn out calves in batches, you know, we have, uh, you know, well-fenced paddocks, train the calves in and get them on to, to grass. Uh, we targeted the calves towards after grass, after our first cut silage. We cut probably 56 to 60% of the entire farm for first cut silage. So we have, you know, uh, an abundance of aftergrass that is, you know, really suitable to those calves uh, starting off grazing and helps them achieve, you know, high levels of average daily gain. Uh, you know, we feed concentrates to the calves for the first two to three weeks uh, post turnout, and then we wean them off it and they go on to a grass-only diet up until mid-September. Um, and, you know, when we don't have aftergrass then available to us, you know, we... we try and allow calves graze where we've removed surplus bales from uh, prior to that. So still offering calves, you know, really leafy uh, grass at, you know, 
moderate uh, post grazing sward height. So maybe going into covers, you know, of probably a thousand kilos would would, would be uh, sufficient for the the younger type of calves. And obviously that can increase as the animal becomes uh, a more aggressive grazer uh, throughout the grazing season. Yeah, without a doubt, the silage quality is very important for the system. How are the weanlings managed for their first winter? Yeah, so our weanlings, you know, we typically, you know, we really try to minimise the amount of time that they spend indoors, um, you know, because there's obvious, you know, health benefits of that, animal performance benefits, and obviously cost benefits. So we really do try and minimise the amount of time that we do spend indoors. So we're probably talking that we spend about, you know, 80, 82 days indoors is typically what we have had to have to have to spend indoors and you know we try to offer you know really really high quality silage to these animals because you know we have to keep them growing and going forward over the winter period you know we want to be gaining you know nearly above uh, 0.7 of a kilo a day over the winter period on these so you will be needing silage you know probably in excess of 75 dmd uh, and we also are supplementing with one and a half kilos of concentrates per head per day over the the winter period um but one thing with the with with calf to beef and particularly with the wanelings is that you above any other system you have a great opportunity to get stock turned out very very early in the spring because these animals are light they have a very very low demand you know we'll be starting off with a demand of 19 kilos when we start grazing and so you know you have a great opportunity to get out there early with calf to beef and you really do need to to get your silage ground grazed off um, and to condition the sward to grow really high quality grass silage that you'll need for your winter period for your wanelings and your, your finishing cattle. So, you know, there, there's many advantages to getting turned out early. Um, you know, outside of the animal performance, you know, there's massive sward uh, quality and production benefits uh, from early turnout as well. The first steers were finished around Christmas and early January. Overall, how did they perform? Yeah, so I suppose the, the, the performance was, was quite good. Um, I suppose just to begin with, with the, the finishing period that, that each of those animals required. So the Holstein Frisian steers, as you'd expect, required you know an additional 20 days um, of finishing to get them to the same level of finish in terms of fat score as what their, uh, their Angus comrades were, were slaughtered at. So 81 days of uh, indoor feeding is what we needed to to feed our Holstein Frisians to get them to a three plus fat score and to get our Angus groups to a three plus fat score we had to feed those indoors for 60 days and so uh, and because of that 20 day difference you know our Holstein Frisians consumed an extra 100 kilos uh, during the finishing period Um, and if we look at the age at slaughter which is a really really important trait uh, you know in any system um, we saw that our Aberdeen Angus groups were both killed 22 months of age and our Holstein Frisians were just killed slightly under 23 months of age. And when we look at carcass weight then, our Holstein Frisians had the heaviest carcasses coming in at 305 kilos and grading O, o minus. Um, uh, o minus. And if we look at our Aberdeen Anguses, our high index Anguses had a 300 kilo uh, carcass and graded O equals. And when we look at our low index Anguses, they had a 293 uh, kilo carcass, also grading O equals. And all of the groups achieved the exact same uh, fat score of three plus. So that just, 
you know, reflected our drafting policy where we, you know, handled the animals and drafted them off when we, when we uh, judged them to be of a three plus uh, fat score. Um, and then when we look at, you know, the really important figure for calf to beef systems is output per hectare. Um, and we achieved, you know, very high levels of carcass output per hectare with our Holstein Friesians having the highest again at 976 kilos of carcass output per hectare. And our high index Angus is achieving 260, or sorry, 960 kilos of carcass output per hectare. So that figure really shows that, you know, calf to beef systems, they can be very, very high output uh, systems, but they can still be grass-based systems. And if we look at the lifetime concentrate usage in these animals, we see that our Holstein Frisians consume 740 kilos from birth right through to slaughter, and our Angus has consumed, you know, 100 kilos less at 640 kilos of concentrate over their lifetime. So, and we still achieved very, very high levels of output um, from this system that is from a predominantly grass-based diet. There's a lot of great information gathered from this trial. Undoubtedly, calf price has had an impact on the system. And as we've seen from other previous Chagas studies and the Green Acres programme, and you mentioned this system is very highly stocked. Can you sum up what is the financial performance of each of the three systems? Yeah, so our, our, just on our stocking rate, I suppose, our stocking rate worked out, but, you know, our stocking rate based on when calves are purchased in and our slaughter dates, our stocking rates worked out at 2.8 livestock units per hectare um, across the three systems. Um, so, you know, it probably is a lot higher than what is um, the, the, the national stocking rate on, on dry stock farms. Um, but it's in line with our, our grass production. You know, we have a surplus of silage left over and, you know, our, our, we're really matching it to our farm's ability to grow grass. And that is, you know, very important to do. Uh, when we look at the financials, uh, you know, calf price has a massive, massive bearing on the, the net margin that we achieve from these systems. Um, so if, you know, calf price in 2018 was was quite high. Um, so our Holstein Frisians calves cost us 120 euros. Our high index Angus calves cost 295 and our low index Angus calves cost 280. And, you know, if we take into account that that was a very high calf price year, and we were probably selling these cattle in at one of the lowest beef price years um, in, in, over, the, over the last number of years. So, you know, certainly was, were challenging uh, conditions. And when we look at the net margin per hectare using those calf prices, our Holstein Frisians were the most profitable, um, generating a net margin of 256 euros. And our high index Angus were next, generating a net margin of 64 euro. And our low index Anguses uh, coming in at, you know, just breaking even really at three euros per hectare. So look, uh, calf price has a massive, massive uh, bearing on it. Um, and, uh, you know, if we take the three year average mart calf price for similar uh, calves, you know, similar Holstein Frisians are, are, are early maturing uh, type calves. If we take the three year average, which was 60 euro for Holstein Frisian and 160 for the Anguses, you know, that would have a huge effect on our net margin. And we'd be generating, you know, net margins of up at, you know, 500 euros net margin if we take into account those uh, three year average calf prices rather than the, 
excessively high 2018 price that 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 we have factored in. I understand that these are the first progeny that have fully gone through the study. What preliminary conclusions can you draw to date? Yeah, I suppose so. This is just year one of the study, so you know we we may not have have achieved you know statistical significance on on some of the parameters that we measured, but this is only you know half of the data set. You know we have another group of 2019 born animals that are going through the system and will be slaughtered you know within the next year. So we'll we'll get you know a complete picture at that stage and we'll be able to draw you know um. Uh, concrete conclusions f- from it you know we'll have the, the study will be fully powered at that stage but I suppose looking at it um, you know from the first year you know that very high animal performance is achievable from a you know grass-based diet and you know we we're we can achieve we're achieving you know national average animal performance from this system however we're doing it at probably you know six months younger and I think that really just shows the importance of, you know, good grassland management, you know, a, a well-run system, good animal health, a good vaccination program, um, how important that is um, in, in, in driving on the overall system performance. Um, but look, you know, we can really see from, from the, the economics of it that, the, you know, the relative profitability of the three groups is largely dependent on calf purchase price. And I suppose we see that, you know, the Holstein Friesian calves with the lower um, calf purchase price in 2018, that, you know, that really helped them achieve the highest uh, net margin um, from the three systems that we, we assessed. Um, but look, the, the trends are coming through in terms of the the, the indexes of, of the, the groups. You know, we see that our high index Anguses, you know, they do produce heavier carcasses that are, you know, better conformed, and you know have a higher kill out percentage uh, you know we've seen a seven and a half kilo difference in carcass weight between our a high and low index angus group so the trends are all right although we haven't achieved uh, statistically significant differences between those angus's groups um, with this first year's data and one of the really important things that we have seen is the effect of date of birth on the overall animal performance we see that you know the earlier born calves they've you know really uh, distinct advantage particularly over the first grazing season we see the earlier born calf really you know utilizing grass much better achieving higher average daily gain and that stands to the animal throughout its life and we've seen that you know from the animals that we have on the study when we uh, look at it we can see that every week later that a calf was born it reduced his carcass uh, weight by you know three and a half kilos so that you know, it just shows the effect that you know date of birth has, you know, especially on that first grazing season, and you know, really allowing the the animal utilize forage, you know, uh, from an early stage, and you know, convert that into extra carcass at the very end. No doubt, there's some great information coming from the study to date. I'd like to acknowledge Donald Fahey for his involvement. We look forward to getting a further update at the Chagas Open Day at Beef 2020. Thank you very much, Nikki, for joining me on the show. Thank you. That's all from this week's episode and my thanks to Nikki for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chagas Beef and Facebook page. 
Until next time, I'm Katrin Egan and thanks for listening.